Hello and welcome to Areas of Interest. I'm your host, Ariel, and today we're going to learn about food science. And to be honest, I know nothing about food science. Uh, I thought that going in, maybe my guest was going to be a chef. And I think he thought that too, going into the degree. But it turns out that there is a lot more to food science about the things that are on our shelves and the people that make sure that they are safe to consume, that the production is in accordance with the law. And today's guest is going to talk more about that and the college experience that he had at a historic black college in Georgia. Today's guest is named Evan, and he's going to talk a little bit about his side project that he's got going on, and then he's going to go into his experience as a food scientist. I hope you enjoy. Tell me a little bit about the podcast that you're uh, starting recently. Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm a podcaster at heart. You know, I fell in love with podcasting really early uh, and wanted to get in there, but really didn't know how to. And um, actually was using, a you know, the dating app. They had Tinder and stuff like that. Uh, met, a, met a girl on Tinder who had a radio background. And honestly, part of our dating or some of our initial dates was to do a podcast together. And that sort of brought us together and it kind of bl- uh, bloomed into this huge thing. And me and my wife, uh, now my wife, a little spoiler there for the story, um, decided to document our entire engagement process on our podcast. So it's called The Wedding Edition. Uh, and it starts with a conversation, you know, between a man and a woman about the differences leading up to a marriage. And then you get to see our growth in real time. And then we do our final episode like the day after we got married and just how we felt and how much we've grown. How many episodes do you have total for the whole entire process? Was this like a weekly thing or was it biweekly or once a month? Uh, You know, like I said, we got in here really early. And when I say got into the podcast really early, I mean, I'm talking about 2014. Oh, wow. Okay. uh, 2015, uh, a little bit 2016 uh, and really, really did a, a, a weekly podcast. So at this point, I would probably say we had like almost five or 600 episodes. Oh, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> so you guys really, and so do you guys get into your relationship and like how to work through problems together and uh, mm-hmm. just how to navigate a relationship together just so openly? Is that how it usually the content is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it developed into a, um, I want to say a life cast where, you know, we would, we started doing it every day at some point. Uh, once we moved in together, another spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you guys moved in together after you got married or at least, you know, a little bit before. before yeah, before. <laughs> yeah, before, before. And and uh, we started doing it every day and it became a part of our life, you know, and we really use this to address more than just that. But always coming back to that topic. But, you know, relationship topics in the news, um, you know, relationship topics that we've heard about through our friends, relationship topics. Um, that we had and, and just questions we have for each other. So it ended up being a, a great journey, you know. Uh, and so, you know, one of the topics that came up uh, while we were doing our podcast together was how much of a marriage is a business. Um, and that is sort of the next step that I I personally took it and, you know, uh, really wanted to speak uh, with you about today. I mean, uh, me and my wife came together and we really formed this marriage that's founded on love, of course, but you know, leveraging our expertise in, in our professional lives as well to come together and, and build something, you know, um, you know, she, you know, she went to college as well. And I went to college uh, and we we're just, you know, both professionals um, for almost 12 to 15 years at this point. And 
you know, it wasn't until we found each other that we were able to put, you know, two heads together to be better than one. And, and um, it's great. That's awesome. And are you working on any other? I mean, that was a podcast that you worked on back in 2016. Um, are you guys still doing the podcast now or are you working on something else currently? Yeah, you know, I, I follow a, a podcast now called Earn Your Leisure, and it's a, more like an educational platform, but it's more of a realistic discussion on uh, what I call, uh, I guess, actual actual life, <laughs> you know, like um, sort of covering topics like things we didn't learn in school uh, because, you know, once once I really, really, um, you know, got to the point where, you know, high school, college and got into a career, I started realizing that there was tons and tons of things that I've never heard of. And now understanding that there was no possible way for me to get the information except through the experiences that I had. And even looking back, I see that, you know, I'm pretty was was pretty much the only one, you know, in these fields. Uh, and so right now I wanted to sort of, you know, start doing more of the give back and more of the career uh, explanations and career talks. And so that's going to be my next project. Uh, my name is Evan. Um, I am a full time uh, professional food scientist. Uh, I went to um, Clark Atlanta University, which is a HBCU um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and I moved there from from high school, which was in New Jersey. So a little bit of a, a change there. And, you know, uh, it was definitely like to paint the picture of what it was. I mean, you've seen shows like uh, A Different World which was a TV show where it's pretty much around uh, a black college or HBCU. And um, the slogan of that show was, it's a different world than where you come from. And I mean, that pretty much was what it was. I mean, just different people with, you know, different ha habits and accents and uh, dress styles and just all put together uh, to grow over the next four years. And I mean, it was pretty much like, you know, like the real world. <laughs> I remember that show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. And I mean, we're top tier experience as far as people experience, um, you know, and uh, but as far as when it comes to the actual work, and this is one thing that I've noticed, you know, any school sometimes has a difficulty of actually teaching you things that you will need later in life. I mean, yeah, you pick a major. Yeah, you take a couple prerequisites, but as far as me knowing like statistical analysis for a, you know, a production chart, you know, that's totally different, <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, running a morning shift meeting for 13, 14 employees, you know, that's different. Uh, but it's, it, you can get there, but you're right. The, the two are, t are totally different paths. It almost, it's very parallel, but it's hard to cross over on that to the other track. Uh, and I mean, I didn't really start getting serious with college until my third year. I mean, just like anybody else, I came in, I experienced this different place. I played around a lot. I went to tons of parties. Uh, and then I, this is when I sort of learned about party schools. And, oh, man, Atlanta at that time was probably the number one, you know, party school anywhere, you know. Um, but my third year, I kind of realized that, you know, it does get old. And I think that's really what happened. And I needed something different. And going back to sort of some of my basic principles in life was just doing the work. And so I literally buried myself in the library and, and, and did the work. And, and because of that, 
I came out different than a lot of people, other people came out from college. So at what point did you start to pursue that degree? Did you go in knowing that you wanted to pursue a degree? Is it food science that the degree is technically called that you got? Yeah. So the degree is food science, uh, food microbiology. Okay. Uh, and I, I would even now go as far as say with a concentration on quality assurance management. And so, I mean, I went in as an undeclared right. major, right? Um, and then I wanted to be on TV. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't, I, I was going to say, I don't know many teenagers that I would expect to be like, I want to be a food scientist. You know, it's, it's hardly anything that anyone ever thinks of, I think. And it's nobody. Yeah. So it seems like something you would pick once you get there and then they show you the list of different degrees you can get that the school offers. And then you're like, that one seems cool. But like, you know, obviously you have these big aspirations to, uh, be on TV, be famous, maybe be on real world. <laughs> um, well, it was music. It was oh, music. it was music. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I just love music. And, and, you know, the thing was, I didn't know what to do with music. You know, of course, everybody listens to it and people, you know, sing in the shower or, you know, do stuff with their friends. And I really wanted to see what I could do with that, but more so from a um, professional <clears throat> behind the, you know, behind the camera type of thing or behind the you know, microphone type of thing, you know, um, and it really wasn't until podcasting that I even got a chance to go back into that. But I, I ran a radio show in college uh, and I did some live events and, um, you know, I just I really just tried to do what I loved at an early time. What was it about food science that made you kind of switch into that uh, degree rather than pursuing sound engineering? Yeah, well, I, you know, th this might be a, a a controversial topic or sensitive topic or just name in general, but I literally heard a, a speech by Bill Cosby. And I know this is crazy to say because of the opposed opinions on him, but regardless of those, he was America's dad. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people at that time, and, and let me just give a time frame. Uh, I'm talking about like maybe 1998 or 1999 <clears throat> or, you know, early 2000s, he gave this speech. It's called the to sum it all up, he basically just said, everyone can do better in life, family, and in school. And so I changed my major from mass media to biology because when he ended his speech, he said, you can work a little harder. He said, you can work a little harder and do a little better. And um, that's exactly what I felt like I could do. I felt like I could give more of myself to my work, uh, going back into to, to that again, when I said doing the work. Uh, and that's what I did. So I switched my major to biology and um, I went from biology to, you know, everybody wanting to be in the popular labs. Right. Which was, of course, like I'll just say like um, it was like cell bio or microbiology. I ended up coming back to school late and I ended up getting into to the agricultural lab and I spent time in there and nobody wanted to go to the agricultural lab. But it just so happened that I didn't have a problem with the teacher and I didn't have a problem with the work. I thought it was actually interesting at that time. <laughs> and um, little behold, the teacher liked me and my grades reflected what she needed. And she had a graduate school opportunity for me in something that she said called food science was called food science. Um, I actually thought it was a chef, like something to do with chefing. Right. Like uh, what do they call it? Like gastro cooking or something like that. There's a more technical term for it, but somebody that like understands like a gastro pub. Yeah. Yeah. Like somebody that understands like the chemistry of food and how it cooks and all the different chemicals that meld together. Like there, it seems like mm -hmm. you could go that direction in food science if you wanted to, but it seems like in your 
uh, area, you you went down the quality control and um, analysis to, like kind of route in that field. You're exactly right. I mean, but it's still, like I said, it's still a lot to even get there. I mean, getting a degree in food science is still very general as niche as it may be. And the next part was I, part of the program had a, uh, a internship at um, the USDA office in, in uh, Pennsylvania. And so I was like, wow, I mean, this is kind of, I mean, I, everybody knows that. I mean, I, you know, it was a highly recognizable you know, logo, brand, and symbol from, you know, all the food you eat. So I knew something had to become, had to come out of that. Uh, so I, I decided to take the opportunity with the chance to do research at the USDA. Uh, and there is when I sort of really got into the food science as far as like, you know, um, food manufacturing, um, microbial contamination, and uh, just quality management in general. And, um, you know, really got a chance to see inside of food manufacturing plants and just how food is made. I mean, it really was a, a, a first person view of how it's made. Uh, if you've ever seen that TV show, I mean, that's exactly what it is. And, and, you know, at the time, you know, I'm, you know, still pretty young. I'm like, you know, 21, 22, maybe I can't, I can't really remember, but I mean, I had never seen anything like that. I mean, yeah, I've been to the grocery store and, you know, I, I think one time a school trip took us to the meat department of, you know, the, you know, the food store, <laughs> you know, but that was about the closest that I had been to actually even thinking about what I ate. And so it just really unlocked this whole door to like, you know, nutrition and business, mostly business, though, because I sort of saw how these companies were run. I mean, you know, CEO, vice president, you know, um, quality manager, technicians and, and operators. To and, and I started to see how they all work together and, you know, build the company, build the brand. Uh, and I was like, wow, I, you know, I had kind of been taught from school that, you know, you do your own work, you know, you turn in your own projects, you know, you, uh, you know, basically you work alone. Uh, and at this up until this point, I really saw how teamwork comes into play and how you need a team to build anything that you're trying to build. Uh, and then uh, at that time, at that point, I, I kind of got it, but I didn't apply it until really until now. Yeah. It, was there anything when you were doing the research or taking the classes for like the upper level classes in food science? Was there anything that really stood out to you that either blew your mind or opened up your perspective to the industry? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm pretty sure just by hearing me say that everybody's thinking how dirty the food is. <laughs> I just got a, a package of organic lettuce and I had to wash it three times because of how much dirt was in there. <laughs> But I was like, dang, this is organic, but yeah, of course. at least they could do is wash it a little bit for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I mean, it gets worse than that. I mean, complacency, sabotage, I mean, uh, theft, um, food forensics. Let's see what else do they have there. Just, just tons of problems in the industry, metal contamination, uh, pathogen. And then uh, there's acceptable limits to all this stuff. I mean, there's acceptable limits to certain products. I mean, you just can't avoid it's called unavoidable filth. I mean, you've heard people say like there's bug legs and things and, and yeah, it's in there. It's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. But at the same time, you realize how important it is to cook and, you know, to really follow those instructions on your food, uh, and then the last part, which I really got into and when I was actually in the field for a couple of years was just the auditing part of it. You know, like I said, I 
had, you know, was doing research. So we visited, we talked about, you know, we went to conferences about this. And then when I actually started working, you know, that was where I actually saw just, you know, how, how everything's put together as far as auditing. Um, I did, I became an auditor uh, for a major company and I just traveled and went to factories. I mean, for probably like two or three years. What keeps the job exciting for you? Like, is it the stuff that you hear or find firsthand that keeps you going? You're you're thinking to yourself, okay, this was a mass contamination that kind of went under the radar. It is my job to find more. Or is there something else about the field that keeps you excited, keeps you going, keeps you inspired to continue doing what you're doing? You know, it's important for people who work in these careers and professions to be themselves, um, you know, and make their personalities and lifestyles a part of it, not necessarily a balance. They may market this life work balance. Uh, absolutely nothing interested me about this field. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's something that I've, I've come to to grips with. Now, when I say that, I feel a great honor and, and also responsibility to, like you said, objectively evaluate these places for safety. Right. I mean, a lot of these places, excuse me, a lot of these places you know, my family eats from, you know, and my, my daughter eats from, and, you know, I eat from, and of course, with the utmost professionalism, I will make sure that they're supposed to be what they are for everyone, you know, um, but at the same time, I understand that life is, it is more about you as a person than your work, you know, and these, these jobs can take you so far away from that. <clears throat> and I, I, you know, the opportunity was a, a massive, but it literally became a job just like any, and it becomes the most annoying job. Now, I know it sounds like I'm complaining, but I'm, but it's it's all to an end because I found out that, you know, I, these companies are owned with someone else, by someone else, and then they, they have, you know, their ideals that the people in the company follow uh, that you may agree with or may not agree with when at the end of the day, doing day in and day out business. Um, but then it comes a point where you can take matters into your own hand and become your own boss and do these things that you're passionate about. You just have to find the legit and sustainable way. Um, and working for someone else in these fields, different managers, directors, it really is like a survival survival TV show. I mean, these jobs, these companies are massive with massive budgets and they chew and spit people out like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. You would not believe. You know, I mean, we see glimpses of these things on the news, but you have no idea what really how how people are interpreting these things or just how disconnected people are that work there or their ideals. I mean, directors file for misconduct. Um, I mean, and, and not trying to say that like, these companies are evil, but I'm just saying that this takes away from the experience. You know, um, a company will run a pleasant ad with a family, you know, drinking coffee in front of the TV, but let alone they're firing 2000 employees, you know, uh, who, who are, who who are depending on this, you know, it is a tough thing over time. And and, um, my career was 10 to 12 years um, before I really got into more entrepreneurship. And I just, after seeing and losing so many people, I mean, it really is a loss because, you know, you, if you work with someone every day, let's say as an auditor, you travel in a team and a pair and then they let that person go and you never speak to that person again, that person technically becomes dead to you. Right. But they're still, they're a person and it means a lot. Your those relationships mean something, you know, and it's like having people removed out your life like that. 
sometimes can be traumatic. Absolutely. And so my question is, did you work in the private sector or the public sector? Because it seems like even though you did research for the USDA after college, you went into a private sector and, and you were a food scientist for a company. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I um, I had, a, I would say, a, a complete career of what they call fully integrated. I did research for USDA. I worked for a Fortune 500 company at uh, Nestle. Um, I worked for Heinz Ketchup in Pittsburgh, um, and then I worked for a large testing company as an auditor, uh, and then I worked for Starbucks uh, North America. Okay. Was that in, where is Starbucks North America? Is that in Washington? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I went to the original Starbucks in uh, in yeah. Seattle. It's, it's not too far out there in Seattle. Yeah. I'm sorry I said Portland, but it, it is Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. that That is quite the... Um, the range that you have there, did you notice anything different in terms of, like you said, that a lot of these companies were laying off a lot of people. Did you feel more confident in your career position at the federal level or was it more um, at the private level? You didn't feel like you had to worry about your job and, and its status. Well, that sort of brought me to understand that these fields are short term. Uh, it's a very short term profession. It's not, I mean, it's a, I put it a certain way um, before, it is a long-term career, uh, but a, a short-term job, right? So meaning that if you're in it already, uh, people never leave. I mean, people's retirements are, are are put into this and people who work for these companies, I mean, the benefits are outstanding, right? I mean, and people do not leave. And so that really doesn't open up a lot of new jobs. So it's hard to get into because people are staying 20, 30, almost 40 years. I mean, uh, so there's really not a lot of room. So when I entered, I mean, I had to take positions that sometimes turned out to be short term. And a lot of the reasons, like I said, were none of my own. I mean, uh, profit laws from a seasonal marketing campaign and, it, you know, they lay off a department or the budget just isn't there anymore and everyone has to go home. Like It's just so many things that, you know, have nothing to do with you that affect you so much, you know, uh, CEO involved in a scandal, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. But uh, I mean, a blessing, none the same. I'm very happy for the time that I spent. And like I said, I just did the work. I really just tried to focus on my task and build. And, and this is one thing, like I said, I started to realize that in order for me to go forward, I had to become the best version of whatever it was I'm doing. So I mean, the continual education on these these classes, I mean, these professions was a lot. Like I've taken classes at Penn State, um, University of Wisconsin, I mean, Harvard. I mean, it, it is a lot of work that you do just to just to be in this air. Uh, and it, and I just that's what I was saying, like the opportunities were so I was so young. And I really realized that when I looked around, I was really the only one that was 22, 23 <laughs> you know 24 everyone else is 40 50 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like man I, I mean, and I really start to see that and I really understood that you know it's a cycle meaning like you know you start young you go through and then you start again and 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 that's what a lot of these people were I mean people on their 10th company you know 13th company and there's something they don't talk about but I really just tried to invest in myself and go back to education like I had said earlier education played a big part in everything for me for, for who, who I am. Like I said, I'm not an athlete. 
Um, you know, I'm not like this tall jock, uh, you know, so I'm just me. And I had and, and, and I understood that education was just a part of that. So educate myself, continue with education. And then I got into teamwork uh, and leadership. And I started to understand that. But I, I had an epiphany when I realized that I had not been leading myself anywhere. Yes, I'm leading the company. Yes, I'm pushing their quarterly you know, budgets or quarterly projections, or uh, yes, I'm doing cost savings and what they call Muda and all that stuff. And um, but what was I doing for myself outside of the work? And it was no balance. And I, I really fell into a, a, a large depression about it. Yeah, I was going to ask you next, you know, what were some difficult thing, difficult things about the college experience? And it seems like you know, mental health comes up a lot for some people when they take college classes. It did for me as well. I, I had to take a different dosage of my medication just to be able to perform every single day and to have to prove myself every single day. Did that, were there any other things that you found difficult about going to college or even just taking the classes that you had to take at that age? Well, you know, college was, a um, the classes ended up being amazing because like I said, I liked the work. I mean, I found it, the work actually very interesting about the biology. I had a, a high interest uh, in that. Um, but, but, you know, some of the classes, I mean, you can't connect them with a career, you know, until you're in that career. And it's almost taught backwards, you know, like they'll teach you these things and then you get the job and you don't use any of it, you know, uh, and then you have to sort of go back to you know, to learn, to learn something else, you know, so that's, that's always the, the hard part, you know, of it. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of, I learned a lot just doing the work. I mean, probably when I was an auditor, like I said, for three years, and, you know, that's, I would call that boots on the ground. Uh, I 100, 100% uh, really, really learned a lot. But the mental health part is big, because just spent being alone. And that's why I sort of connected that that dots. I was alone for a lot. And, uh, you know, there's a certain level of visibility that people need to and a connection that people need. And so a lot of times just just led to uh, just not not I guess me trying to figure out why I felt this way. That's what I was trying to say, you know, because even in the black community, it's not really talked about, you know, and, and like I heard you say, like, uh, just going to the doctor and talking about it, like, what do you say, like, from my perspective, and even thinking back at that time, like, if I had went to the doctor, what would I have said? Because, you know, I'm isolated pretty much. I'm not around anybody. And then anybody I know, they don't talk about anything like this. And if I did say anything to them, what would they, they wouldn't know what to tell me, uh, you know? And it, so a lot of that led up to it until I kind of breaking. But luckily, you know, just like long formats, like podcasts and people talking more about mental health, I realized that, hey, you know, you're feeling sad because A, B, and C, so if you fix A, B, and C, you can stop feeling sad. And, and it's sort of, I slowly worked myself out uh, of this depression, like meaning uh, through audiobooks and uh, just doing different things to get different results, right? Listening to different type of music. And then also I started reading a lot more. Uh, I read this book called, um, called um, The Happiness Project. Um, and it actually did a lot to, in fact, do that. It just make me more happy. And one of the things said was, do more things you did as a child. And I realized that going back to that corporate and, and regular lifestyle, I realized I liked music. I liked fashion. I liked clothes. I liked sneakers. Uh, and so I, I got back into music. You know, I, I started making some songs and stuff like that. And I just did more of what I what I needed. But um, 
going back to like the college part, um, it's such a schedule you have in college. And a lot of it is partying, unfortunately. So you don't really realize what you're going through or how you might be feeling in college until after. And that's what I'm dealing with a lot of now. Like I look back and reflect and I feel a certain way, like, uh, and I, and then now, um, sort of correcting that and feeling better so I can go forward. Yeah. I mean, there, there kind of is like, in my experience, two different types of way that somebody can become depressed. Mine is more of a clinical chemical unbalance. You know, I, I was diagnosed when I was 15 years old and uh, I probably should have been diagnosed a lot sooner because I, I had these these chemical imbalances a lot younger. But there is also another one where you just kind of get into a rut. And I think being self-aware as to what kind of depression that affects you personally and seeing those signs when they start to happen is a way that you can prevent it from getting worse, you know, just being a little bit more introspective about your own personal situation and how your mind or emotions process that that situation is a great tool to have to identify when it starts to come up again. And like you said, that you started getting into activities to kind of help you be creative and to have that outlet to keep you from getting into a rut again. I think it's really helpful. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, there's so many, like I said, there's just, it was just another, what I felt like now looking back on it, just another roadblock that so many people have to overcome. I mean, you know, you're dealing with this pressure to, to be someone right. To, to have this professional identity and then, you know, to, to feel all right internally. And then, you know, how can you do all that? And you feel split in so many ways, but once I really combined and put everything together, I just felt better about it. And I guess, honestly, the way to do that was talk about it. Like, you know, I, I ended up creating different platforms uh, in podcasting, one for music, you know, one for professional talk. I mean, and it was an outlet for me to get these feelings out, um, you know, in a, in a better way. Uh, and then it also was, uh, it made me understand energies, right? And so because I gave that energy out, I attracted different energy and was able to do a lot of teamwork and things like that. Uh, to build personally. And so now it's my happiness is not necessarily the music or, you know, fashion anymore. It's more of entrepreneurship and things I can do to combine the two. So, you know, me being in, you know, quality assurance, food manufacturing, um, I started my own consulting company uh, where I was an auditor, you know, for my own company uh, and got contracts from companies to visit them and conduct audits. Um, and, and it was a surreal moment. I mean, almost like, you know, you walk into the pizzeria and, you know, they got their first dollar, you know, on the, you know, on the wall. That's like framed on the wall. Yeah. Behind the counter. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't even fathom it when someone's paying you like, and you know, and that's what I've heard, you know, as far as the job and, and working for someone. I mean, because your boss is never going to pay you to be his neighbor, you know, and it's like, it's, it's not, he's just not. And you, but you know, people have so much passions for their jobs, right? Like, you know, like just, um, you know, I mean, I remember, you know, being at Heinz, excuse me, Heinz Ketchup and just being super honored, you know what I'm saying? To be a part of that legacy, you know, and just everybody having ketchup at their house and just me being able to be like, you know, this is what I do, you know, but then I realized, you know, it's, it's, it's where I work. It's not what I do necessarily. I, I personally 
and I have to be in that business. Um, and so I did. I, I mean, I've, I did consulting and then more, you know, I set future projects up. I'm trying to, you know, do more with food products myself. I mean, there's a lot of um, now personal brands out there and, they, and it's and it all comes together. And I'm like, wow, you know, you know, people, you know, of course, you know, you know, do virtual and have a couple of slides with a business plan. But then when it comes to actually making it in the physical, they have to contact manufacturers. And then a big part of that is quality assurance. And so now I'm seeing how me being the the, the science guy or science nerd uh, and the quality assurance person, I can still be Evan. You know, I don't have to be, you know, this this guy who no one knows what he does and he's just, you know, away all the time. You know, I can be a quality assurance professional that can help people build their products. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't clock in and clock out at the end of the day without talking to anyone. I had I had some coworkers like that and I was like telling myself, I don't know anything about this person. I've been working with them for six months and yet other coworkers, I, I know how their family's doing. I know, you know, their kids' names, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's two different kind of people in the work field and there's nothing wrong with clocking in and clocking out at the end of the day. But I, I don't really think that that is a good way to move yourself forward in a career if nobody knows who you are as a person. There's nothing about you that they can identify with. So it's kind of hard to move in a, in a field when nobody knows your name. Exactly. And, and you know, one thing about all these companies, like I said, um, I, I was so young, you know, and pretty much one of the only ones at that age. And then it was so non-diverse. Uh, I mean, it is it's not necessarily a, a issue, you know, it's more of a comfortability, you know, I mean, in like massive, especially coming from HBCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so HBCU being a traditionally historically black, black college or university uh, and then coming into the work field. And you, you know, looking for other people that might have went to your school, it's different when nobody's heard of it, um, you know. And then, so then this sort of the challenges come where people want to challenge, you know, uh, why you're there, how you got there. It's almost like you have to explain yourself and it's like, why does it matter? Yeah, exactly. I'm focusing on the work. Exactly. I'm focusing on the work. And, you know, uh, one of the companies, it just became so annoying because 90 percent of what I did was just presentations on how I, how I got there. <laughs> and it was, I know everyone wanted, and it was, you know, quality assurance field as well. And, and you know, quality assurance becomes uh, a big, is a big part of every company. Uh, and then it was just like, well, we want to be you instead of being like, we're here to work with you on things. You know what I'm saying? How did you get here? How did you get here? That became a question all the time. And so that's what I mean. Like, and then now you see in the news, like diversity and inclusion is everything, right? I mean, there was real work that they had to do uh, inside these companies. Uh, I mean, just from that standpoint. And so uh, it can be different when, like I said, if I'm a suburban inner city smart kid, right, with ambition, loyalty, and PTSD, um, who's used to, you know, bad neighborhoods and, you know, violent people is is kind of a translation issue sometimes to understand somebody from Montana or even a Mormon, you know, uh, but there are things you can get to know each other. It's just hard making that first, you know, initial contact a lot of times. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. it. There is commonality between two people. They just have to find it. But it's very difficult when the first thing on their mind is, why are you here? And what are your intentions here? It, it kind of puts up a wall to get to know mm-hmm. somebody when you feel like you have to prove yourself. 
and justify why you are even there in the first place before you can even start to relate to other people off, you know, other things, you know, maybe you guys like the same food, maybe you guys like the same sports team. Um, but that, that should be a good work environment where you figure out who's on your team, you know, in terms of sports mm -hmm. versus, you know, where did you go to college and what was your GPA? Did you have any accolades at your college? You know, it's, it's like, um, I guess some people call it like a pissing contest. <laughs> it's, Man, all day, yeah, it's, yeah. It's really when it comes down to it, it's not important. It's like if you are a innovative mind and you have the passion to work, that should be the first question. But honestly, exactly. it's like, cool, you're here. Awesome. I don't care how you got here, but you're here. And let's get to work. Let's find new innovative ways to make sure that uh, the food is safe for people and that not only it's safe, but it, it's good too. You don't have to compromise on quality. Exactly. Uh, and, 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 um, but you know, that, like I said, it all goes back to doing the work and it's very good to see that they've acknowledged these issues and that they're doing the work, you know, um, you know, I, I was at Starbucks at the time that, um, they had their problems in the news from whether it was the people in the cafeteria or even their, uh, diversity training. Uh, I remember I was there at that time and all that stuff, you know, it, it kind of comes out of nowhere, but it, but you, everyone knows it, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but, you know, like I said, the best thing you can do is address it and then try to make it better. Uh, and, that, and that's exactly what a lot of places do. So are there any things you would have done differently if you could? It seems like you did a fair amount of partying, you know, given that you were at a school that was, you know, known for parties and I, I wouldn't pass that as anything bad on you, but was there anything you would have done differently in terms of maybe opportunities that you would have taken up or picking the degree sooner that you can think of? Yeah. I mean, I say this now and to anybody listening, the first thing anybody should do is just buy real estate. Um, I mean, and, 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 and I say that because it has nothing to do with my major has nothing to do with my job or my degree. Uh, I just understand that you as a person need something other than your job you know, uh, to honestly sustain yourself. Um, I was blessed with the opportunity to get into real estate. And I mean, the return has been, you know, monumental. Uh, I mean, just from understanding that I have to leave myself and make decisions for my brand, my business. Um, and, and, you know, it, the reason why is because one day in college, uh, they had a, like, not a career fair, but they had like an outside, um, we call it like a flea market type of thing mm -hmm. and uh walked by a woman she did she wasn't selling anything she had a table and she was saying how uh her sign said like let me help you get into real estate and i and nobody was talking to her and i remember i sat i walked past and i was like i wonder what she's talking about and i and i i kind of realized i had a peak since then about real estate like something was pulling me towards it and so uh when i got the opportunity i got into real estate and and i because I started hearing about, man, if you have bought or just even rented or rented out or did anything with any real estate in Atlanta from 2002 to 2006, I mean, the work would have been done already. And that's what it's about doing the work. You'd have been a millionaire already. And, and, and there are people who have taken advantage of that in the same place I was. And it's like, man, just so many missed opportunities. And this is going to happen. But um, just spend your time doing the work. Do you, now, do you think you could have done that as a college student, or is that something that you probably couldn't do until later on in life? Are you able to buy real estate before 25? Because I know you can't even really 
rent out a car at 25. I've never, I've never bought real estate. So I don't, I don't know what the, uh, the requirements are, but I would imagine it at 19 or 20 years old, it might be difficult for somebody to buy even land, you know, but then again, I don't know. No, you're right. I mean, it is almost impossible, you know, um, but this is, I mean, depending on, you know, one thing I've learned about is a growth mindset. And um, one of my favorite musicians says uh, uh, impossible takes a week, uh, you know? Uh, so, I mean, dedication and doing the work, you can make whatever you want happen. And I mean, Uber is the biggest, you know, car transportation company with, that doesn't own any cars outside of the drivers. And then Amazon, the biggest company that, you know, ships and packages things that doesn't really own any, you know, packaging. I mean, it's just like these, you start to understand business from being around and you understand how these things actually work. Um, and I've seen that. I mean, the, I mean, you work for a food company, tech, you technically don't make any food, you know, and it's like, you can do these things yourself. I mean, uh, you just have to do the work. So meaning like you learn about real estate, you, you educate yourself and then you keep educating yourself until opportunity presents itself because, you know, with these opportunities, you have to be ready. You can't see an opportunity, then spend two years going to get ready and then come back to that same opportunity because it will have passed. So you have to be ready when these opportunities come. Uh, and, and then there's a, I guess what I've found out about life is like these opportunities are there. They just don't talk about them. So, I mean, you know, if you, you know, literally if you study real estate for, let's say it's been, you know, almost 15 years by this now, I'm sure, you know, I would have been at least one ahead than what I am now. And that's really all you need. That's all you need. You only really need one. So if it takes 10 years to get one, it's so worth it. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Yeah. And maybe if you can't buy real estate in college, maybe at least save up so that you can once you're out <laughs> or buy stocks and shares. You know, I know that some people are doing crypto, but I think a lot of people forget that um, stocks and shares still exist. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, just start the work, start the process, because, you know, tomorrow I look at it like this tomorrow's still going to come and you can either be a one step closer or one step further. And so just just spend the time doing that. Um, and then, you know, another thing I learned from the college time is uh, internships. I mean, I, I didn't start doing internships until my third year in college when I feel like I really got serious. Um, but I imagine if I had internship from first year. But this is all this came about trial and error. You know, like, I mean, such I had such a trial and error process. I mean, imagine if I just had good guidance, <laughs> you know, like Jesus Christ. And, you know, like I had to do this and fail, go here and fail, or, you know, three years to get serious. Like imagine if I just had a solid guidance, you know, uh, as far as what could happen. I mean, it would have, I mean, just, and this is just not with me, but anybody like that, anybody who has, you know, a little bit of interest in doing the work, not necessarily school, but just doing the work. I mean, it can it can be way better. Did you have anybody in your family that helped you out with college? Maybe somebody who maybe helped you out financially or even just, you know, somebody to talk to. Did you have any help navigating that experience through college or were you completely on your own? Well, I'm, I'm guess I'm what you would call legacy. Uh, my mom went to the same school as I did, you know, um, and pretty much my, my father went to another HBCU. So pretty much all my family has gone to the same type of school. I mean, it's really like the, the generational Harvard or Princeton type of thing, you know? Yeah. And did they um, also go in Georgia? Is that kind of why you chose that school in particular? Yeah, that was really it. 
So I'm sure your mom was really happy that you went to her alma mater. Oh, man, blown away. She was really happy, really happy, really happy. Uh, and so, you know, but go, me going there was pretty much it. You know what I'm saying? My mom didn't really break down the day to day, but at the time was so different. You know, uh, I mean, there was no way for her to tell me that. I mean, it was a new it was a new era you know, go, come, going on with new type of music and then new type of careers, you know, I mean, and it, even the same thing now, I mean, I, I like to say now that there's jobs that you can't apply for, you know, um, you have to sort of be doing it. You just have to be, like you said, an engineer for a studio and then an artist comes in and he, he wants you and then he pays you, you know, $30 million, you know, that's really the extent of what we see nowadays, um, not necessarily uh, you know, what people work towards, you know, work day in and day out towards. Um, and so it's tough. It's really tough, um, you know, to f- even follow that path or even get into it. Cause it is it, like I said, there's lack of information. I wanted to ask too. So how did you find your community at the school? Did you join a Greek fraternity? Did you join clubs or were you just kind of had a group of friends that you hung out with all the time? Was there Anything that helped you also navigate through the college experience, just, you know, having friends? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess that's the HBCU atmosphere. You know, it's it's made to bring everybody together. I mean, it's, it's, I've seen the same thing at Penn State, because like I said, I did go to Penn State and take some classes there. And I, I just realized talking to people there that they're pretty much all from the same area. Right. So, and then they come there. So they have similar backgrounds and they like similar things and they hang out. Uh, I mean, people from New, New Jersey all hung out, uh, you know, people from New York and New Jersey hung out, people from LA all hung out, uh, bio majors hung out, you know, certain times. And then there was people who you always see out at a party and they always hang out <laughs> at the party. You know, yeah. that's kind of what it is. Yeah. You know, you have, that's the only time you ever see yeah, them. You have friends <laughs> that and, and the day of the final, the final exam. Yeah, right. <laughs> they have, I mean, you have friends and friends of friends, you know, that's what I, I consider it, you know, but um, I mean, but still, I mean, it's still so hard to even take that and even watching the people around you. Uh, and really go to anything professional. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's engineers, yes, there's business, but it's such a general major. I mean, there's no way to go from being business to vice president of operations for I don't know international calls. Like, how, how do you can't even translate to the to these positions from from school? I mean, the guys that I got with, um, you know, like I said, they were sort of general, but great group group of guys. I definitely want to say that we all focused on the work uh, and all have went to be uh, professionals in our own rights, Uh, you know, um, but it's just, like I said, everybody's so spaced out. No one's really together, you know, where you see sometimes in a company, um, especially like Heinz Ketchup, everybody's from um, Ohio State because it's kind of up in that area or people at the Nestle is always from Penn State, you know, like it's just, and there's a lot of it has to do with where they're recruiting from. Uh, And so, I mean, now the HBUs, especially the school I went to, which was Clark Atlanta University, now there's tons and tons of recruitment. Um, so now people can more put together the jobs or the companies with where they might be able to go. Um, but then, like I said, once you get in there, it's kind of tough uh, to figure it out. But we work together a lot and we challenge each other and we we um, supported each other. Yeah. some You know, it seems like a lot of people nowadays have a hard time finding their community at school. 
and um, the the pandemic did not help at all in that regard. I I was only on campus for one semester, but I was I'm such a social butterfly that I made all of my friends in that one semester, and then we just continued being friends throughout the pandemic. But I can't even imagine like what it's like if you were coming into college during the pandemic and that's all you know. It's very difficult. Yeah, I couldn't imagine either. Yeah, yeah. So um, you talk about you did the work, you're doing the work. Is what you're doing now anything related to your to your field or are you more in the entrepreneurial endeavors at this point? Yeah, uh, well, I, I've been working hard to bring it all together and really identify myself you know, at this age, you know, of, of imbalance, my happiness, my ambitions, my love, you know, and uh, uh, it's a combination of all still do work professionally, but you know, the entrepreneur side is really taking over. Um, Like I said, I um, took the career, the years of, you know, food science and food microbiology, put that into a consulting company and um, I started a, a, a food truck. I have a food truck now that I'm. Oh, you do. In where is it located? Is it in your city or is it somewhere else? No, it's in it's in my city, uh, and I'm it's in Maryland, and I'm 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 looking to get out this season. Uh, I've been working on it for a while, and I mean it all translates. I mean I go from you know researching about food to um, managing you know quality assurance for food companies to you know regional management of food companies, and now it's owning. You know it's a progression, and and, and it was it was honestly, the next logical step in my profession. That's exactly what I was going to say, is that that is where you go next, right? You have all this experience in food and quality assurance, and now you can start your whole fleet of food trucks or restaurants or consultant services. You know, it, it, it seems like that would be the best opportunity for you to go into next. Oh, 100%. You got to do the work. Uh, and and that, that's that's the work. I mean, because, you know, you talk to people in the field and you, you see what they do and you, you, you there is people who branch out and start their own. And, you know, at one point doing your own business or being an entrepreneur was so looked down upon and people would say, no, don't do that. You know, don't do that. But there's ways to do it. You know, if you spend, you know, how can you spend all day going to work for someone else and not work for yourself? You know, especially as you get older. I mean, uh, like I said, I'm I'm 38. You know, and I mean, how can I? You know, who who I'm I'm not on the games like that. I'm not, you know, playing basketball. Like, what else can I do? You know, in my spare time, you know, that I get enjoyment from. You know, you know, and it, it is, it, it it stay professional. You know, I mean, but it's it's. Teachers, they all know, you know. You're also building generational wealth, too, for your kids if they ever want to take up that business. You know, uh, if you develop, if five of the things that you pursue pursue right now, if one of them takes off the ground and launches into a whole enterprise, that's something that you can pass on to your kids. You're right. You, ha- you have to be in it to win it. Um, and the next the next part of the consulting company is uh, uh, I'm looking to get more into cannabis. And the reason why I say that is because they, you know, they legalize it in a lot of states. Uh, people are setting up as cultivators and retail stores, but there's a big area that people are not talking about. It's the quality assurance part. I think a lot of people know about it because anyone will tell you that, you know, takes edibles. They will tell you no edible is the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a huge problem. And that's why. Uh, I think that a lot of people are hesitant to even try edibles is because there is no assurance of 
you know, even if the dosage is on there, what is the serving amount? What is it? Where is is it from? And what regulations are they following? I mean, that is a big thing. I mean, the whole outline of the cannabis for sale edible infrastructure is nothing different. I mean, it follows the same federally regulated rules, right, for food, right? And we've seen this. If you've ever been to like um, California or somewhere where they do street vending, right? When I'm not, not a food truck, but like I've seen this in California, they have like the hot dog carts. And it's literally a woman with some sort of uh, hot top cooker with bacon wrapped hot dogs on it right and onions and she's just <laughs> it's so it's so funny you bring that up because the city i just moved from we have those on every corner and there was a recent event where they were literally next to each other so there were like five hot dog people vendors side by side all selling to everyone and you just kind of go around and ask, you know, what is the lowest price they're willing to offer you a hot dog for? Yeah. And you're just walking down and they just hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. And you can't go anywhere without finding them. And you could smell it, too. That's what brings you in is those exactly, onions. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, and this is by all it's illegal. I mean, they don't have a license and they don't even have a food handling certificate, but they're still doing it. I mean, and they're serving port, <laughs> oh, <man, don't> <laughs> which is yeah, like, right. You really have to cook that thoroughly. I mean, they are hot dogs. I don't know. You know, uh, they're they're probably pumped with preservatives and the kind of hot dogs you can leave out. But yeah, I I never eat those because again, like you said, it, not because it's illegal, but it is a foodborne pathogen problem that that could it's dangerous ruin my week. You know, it could make me sick for a week or two if if they don't cook it right. Oh yeah, you know? I mean worse or worse. You know, and it's it's, it's a shame to see. Um, but you know, there was a guy I was working with in in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and he was a um, he was like a uh, he was an auditor, but he was a local auditor for, you know, restaurants and, you know, food trucks. And he was having a problem with those pop-up vendors because they were criminally connected. And and they were going to, they were going to, they were going to try to assassinate him because he kept shutting them down. I mean, it get, it get really dangerous with this stuff. Because, and then, like I said, it goes into food fraud, um, where when I was at uh, Heinz Ketchup, um, we got a call saying that um, our operation in New Jersey um, the factory smelled and whoever took the call said, no, we don't have a factory in New Jersey. And what happened was some guys went to Costco, bought two ga- 2000 or 200 gallons of, ge- of ketchup and was bottling it in a, some warehouse at the docks in like Jersey city. And, um, and just slapping a Heinz label on it. Yeah. And they what they were going to do was take them to like the bodegas. So, you know, New York, there's a whole bunch of corner stores and those stores necessarily don't have, you know, it's not like the Target where a big, you know, eight, you know, 18 wheeler pulls up with a load. Right. They don't buy it in bulk. They just buy it for, you know, the week or the month. Mm-hmm. You and know? it's usually a distributor. So they were going to basically be their own distributor. Uh, but they, you know, these things are bottled under pressure and things like that. And they, and, they, and so when they bl- explode because of the, the heat, uh, it stinks, you know. Uh, and so it, it started a whole new field called food forensics as far as who was set, reselling the food. I mean, and it's, it's, it's really big when you think about uh, just how deep it goes with all this stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you you got to do something yourself and you got to use your you know what you're good at you know uh play to your strengths is what you say you know like i said so i you're right i try to use my experience and then i try to use my biology experience um you know also trying to open do more like i said training around quality assurance 
uh, even at certain schools, because there's really only like there's less than 25 schools in the country that really have, you know, food science or quality assurance programs. Um, and I would love to, you know, even go back and even start teaching more. And that's really what this push is for me is to really tell my story more and try to find a way to uh, use my knowledge to teach others. That's great. Yeah, I, I think that definitely, I'm sure, helps you sleep at night knowing that you're sharing your information and experience with other people to make better informed decisions and also to inspire people maybe to go into the field. You know, like you said, there there wasn't that many people your age at the time when you were in the field. And, and that definitely needs to change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think with the popularity of some of the products like the cannabis, like I said, and the quality assurance now, that'll help because, you know, people are really, really trying to get in there in that field because of the, you know, the boom as far as the money. Uh, and then not knowing the different ways and, and quality assurance is a, is a very safe one as far as, you know, the skills you learn there could be applicable other places. And the, the amount of quality assurance jobs uh, out there are, are, are wide. Um, it's just a lot of work, uh, you know, uh, long hours and, you know, and, and not that anyone's afraid of the work. Um, it's just such a different experience. I mean, like um, one of the food companies I, I worked at, um, it was at Nestle. I mean, I, I was in a refrigerator pretty much all day. <laughs> right. And that's something you got to adjust yeah. to, you know, it's something you got to get used to. Yeah. I mean, it's very cold. I mean, I mean, the is a, and then it gets colder because then some of it has to be refrigerated or, you know, other parts is, you know, you're working around very large, loud equipment, you know, uh, and it's various danger levels and various, you know, just long-term effects that you can have from this type of stuff. But, uh, I mean, it is very, of course, very wa- valuable work, but it, it it gets very mundane, you know what I'm saying, uh, as far as just the person. I mean, you literally do the same thing over and over again. Now, this, to me, that helped me become better at it. But then to someone else, it could be like, man, this is just draining me. Yeah, and I can totally see why you wanted to pivot to something entrepreneurial, you know, to to have that new excitement, to have a new project. And go down a path that maybe you don't you have the knowledge to get it done but there are other things that you need to learn to kind of bridge that gap together and i think that's really exciting it's like okay i i have the the food quality assurance knowledge and the food science knowledge but i don't know how to get a food truck up and running where do i start how do i get a truck you know and so that that can be exciting you know it's a new challenge that you're putting yourself into and solving these problems and then also not only doing that but once you find the solution you can then mentor other people on how to get their foot in the door how to get a food truck up and running and what are the things that they need to look for and that's where your consultant services come in you know there, so it's all it tied together you know it's like the food truck is the testament of your knowledge and um it is not a brick and mortar. I don't know a, a wheels and engine. <laughs> I don't yes. know what we're going to start calling food trucks now, but it's a testament to your knowledge exactly. in how you can apply it. And uh, are there any like side projects that have names that you want to throw in here just to kind of get it out there? Or is it pretty much uh, mums the word at this point until you launch your, your companies? No, definitely. I mean, they're, they're out there. Um, the, the food company is called ENC Foods. Um, and then, you know, like I said, we're going to work on our actual food products there. Um, and then the, the food truck is a brand under the food company. And it's a ENC Foods food truck as well. Um, and then um, as far as the consulting company, I'm, it's, it's, I'm 
pretty much the same thing. It's under ENC Foods as well, uh, just consulting area. You know, a couple other science projects I, I, I'm working on underneath these companies. Because uh, once I found out, you know, about LLCs and just doing a, a DBA, a doing business as, I mean, oh, I was like, oh, wow, the sky's the limit, you know, as far as what you can create and have ready for when an opportunity presents. So cleaning was a big part of everything. So I started a cleaning company as well. A uh, cleaning company does a couple of things. They clean food trucks. And then I realized you can clean houses with that. And I realized... Uh, you know, you can do um, sanitizing and disinfection as well. And so uh, that company is called Subject Matter Disinfecting. I have a website uh, for that as well. And then, um, you know, like I said, getting into just the business, uh, real estate was something I was attracted to. So I did start a, a LLC as far as real estate uh, and that's ENC property homes as well. And we I have an Instagram for that. And um, because when I got my property, um, I started doing an Airbnb. Oh, okay. Are all your properties in Maryland? Yes. Okay. Is that where you hold your your license? Yes. yes. Okay. And I know that's a lot. And I know somebody listening probably be like, what the heck? That's way too much. But, you know, it's I, I understand like, uh, you know, all these things, they sort of make me, you know, who I who I was instead of it just one thing and wanting to do more. I'm here in the moment and doing more, pretty much everything I wanted to, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a big, big uh it was a big thing for me. So that's the real estate is easy property homes. And I have an Airbnb here in Baltimore called the Lombard Loft. Uh, and we actually just made um, by our statistics and our um, our booking rating. We made the number one in, in Baltimore. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And and I'm sure your your wife is all your, also your business partner. You mentioned early on that, you know, you went into this marriage also as as not just a life partner, but also somebody that can help you out with your personal projects, you know, whether they be professional or, or not. So does your wife help you out with any of these projects? Yeah. So she's the C in all the names. So I'm, okay. I'm Evan, Evan <laughs> and she's Candace. Yeah. So everything is E and C. I mean, that's, that's really E-N-C. what my life. Okay. That's cute. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And, and that's us, you know, so when I see these things and when I work towards these things, I, I it's us and we do this together, you know. You always got her in mind too. Exactly, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we 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 work on these. We build it. I mean, it's, and, and, and when I look at, at it, it's a reflection of pretty much how I've lived my life. I mean, study groups, uh, you know, uh, presentations for work, conferences, you know, sitting, you know, sitting down, planning things. I mean, a true management experience. Uh, and so now, like I said, what is the next natural progression is to manage my business and life the same. Uh, you know, and so that's that's really what it is. And it can it can be done, you know, uh, and this is an example. Wow, you gave so much good information and and tips on just how to be a more successful person in general. You know, so I, I appreciate you coming on here and, and telling us your story and just explaining your your journey. You know, it seems like your journey uh, is not just college, but also after college, too. There was a lot that you learned there as well. Well, I I wish you the best of luck in all of your 1,000 projects and the 1,000 more <laughs> that you're going to come up with between now and tomorrow. You're going to have great success. And you know that, um, but I'm just now finding that out. So <laughs> I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see where you go in the future. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to thank today's guests for coming on and speaking with me. You can check out their links and their social media accounts in the show notes for this episode. I also want to thank Kevin MacLeod for making his music free to use for indie podcasters like myself. 
If you would like to reach out to me, you can hit me up on Twitter at areasointerest, or you can email me if you want to be a part of the show. Email me at areasofinterestpod at gmail.com.